The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 157 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved, and their children's children. So Generations were saved I think by one decision, one person. What, what my thought was... And this is a selfish thought, and I want to parse it from other thoughts that I had. I'm seeing the government work so hard in Afghanistan. I'm working the news. I'm watching the news work so hard to cover Afghanistan. I'm seeing people across the country have an opinion about Afghanistan. And I'm thinking to myself selfishly, what if we could all unify all of that to focus on America? <laughs> Man, you really are selfish. <laughs> right? Sorry about that. I've had other thoughts about humanitarian aid. And, you know, I think they should, anybody that wants to leave a country they're oppressed in should have the right to leave and come here. I'm fine with that. Let's lose our southern border. But can we focus on America? Because there's shit going on right now, Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to touch base with you and ask you a couple questions, if it's okay, about just... I have a question. What, what's an issue that your kids are dealing with at a community level, at a neighborhood level? And then how do we address that within the community so that they don't have to deal with that and they can grow as people and become better than us? Mm. <clears throat> That's a good one. It is. And I didn't give you any foresight on that at all. No, no. So, <laughs> so I would say like in terms of oh, what are some issues that my kids are having to deal with? Well, you think I can tell you Jay, um, he believes that it's not only education, but who's doing the educating and what they're, what they're talking about. I mean, my kids have definitely seen that too. Like even in their, even in what they learn at school, like for example, uh, my favorite example to go back to is my youngest, uh, their history book had this, um, it had this paragraph about how a paragraph, paragraph. When I say mm -hmm. this, I mean, middle school paragraph about, uh, this relationship between settlers and a Native American community and how when, when things weren't going quite the way that the settlers wanted it, they literally said, soon there would be conflict. 
like like it was really hard for them to say and then there was a genocide interesting so it's uh, the words that they're using oh you know and that's the thing is like you know they're wanting to like make some of this buttery smooth like it's going to be somewhat easier to to swallow the fact that we killed god knows how many native americans and then Too use many. words like and then use words like soon there would be conflict i'm sorry what right what? felt like a little more than conflict to the indians at the time you know right it's you know it's I, i'm i'm pretty sure that conflict is not the word that should be used but what do i know um i would say that you know yes the education part of it is definitely huge like and and the who's doing the teaching i think right now though like my kids are more worried about going back to school because they want to see their friends and they miss their friends and they miss that interpersonal interaction. Right. But at the same time, like the hospitals are fucking full here, dude. And that's a pressure that they don't want to have on them. Okay. You know, like Mississippi has 20,000 children quarantined and 600 as of a couple of days ago, 600 cases of children having COVID. So it is an issue, right? So is school, it's more of an immediate thing, right? It, mm -hmm. We can't even think long-term until we get past this short-term stuff. Right. You know, and, and that's the thing is like this, this short-term stuff like COVID has highlighted a bunch of other issues within the community. Right. Like, like how do we, you know, like how do we make sure that, uh, kids are able to have meals because a lot of kids have been relying on the school lunch program and, mm -hmm. you know, expanded breakfast programs to get two of their three a day, you know, yeah. and that's definitely been something that, you know, is, I would say in terms of community, like, how do you, how do you provide that in the middle of a pandemic, you know, uh, Food some, and security, I know, love it. Some, some school districts have been doing things like, you know, they're like, well, we can't keep our bus drivers employed if they aren't picking up kids. Okay. Well, what if they're dropping off meals? And, right. and some people were like surprised Pikachu face, like this is a thing you can do. Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be something that you could do where you could, you know, have your, have your kids, you know, have your buses run the same route and then have kids come pick up breakfast and lunch. Right. You know, there was a system in Texas <clears throat> during COVID where teachers were going to students individually to their houses. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine just having a bus full of teachers going to the students might be interesting. You know what I mean? I like that. You know, <clears throat> so being able to, you know, understanding what community outreach looks like, even yeah. in the middle of a pandemic is, I think, you know, that was, I know that was something that some of, you know, that my kids were worried about with some of their friends was, you know, are they going to get the help that they need? Whatever that help may look like. Right. And so, you know, unfortunately we find ourselves in the middle of trying to solve immediate needs without thinking about long-term needs. And I think long-term right. needs, you know, for example, this is one that's come up in the news, um, the school lunch program you know, and how there's uh, one district school district in Wisconsin that has decided to roll back to the pre pandemic lunch plan. Uh, but there's been reports that have come out that said that one of the school board members thought that uh, if kids got school lunches, they could become spoiled. Like, yeah. Uh, what? 
with the school lunches spoiled me. That government cheese made me the man I am today. Hoo-wee. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I've like, even just for us, like when, when our kids were on the school lunch program, like those things are not exactly filling or uh, plentiful, or I mean, in some mm-hmm. cases good. That's my point. We're fighting for school lunches. We're not fighting for the quality of what we already have. And and so like, yikes, like some of the stuff that I saw them handing out, I mean, like I was getting pissed at my kid for getting double lunches because it was costing <laughs> us money. But then when I saw what they were getting as a single lunch, I was like, oh shit, mm-hmm. what? Like this is, wait, hold on. This is right. what a single looks like. No wonder you're getting double lunches. Right. And welcome to the government's version of literally everything, including the future of Medicare for all. (laughs) I mean, you're going to get a lousy portion of a generic drug while everybody else gets the latest version, you know? So, and and it was just absolutely wild to me. And so it's not like, it's not like in the last five years, school lunch program has fundamentally changed and that, you know, these kids are like walking through like a, like a high end sushi bar or anything like that. It's, it's nothing like that. It's like, you know, it's grade D suitable, suitable for prisons and dormitories. Right. I think it was Trey Crowder. I saw discuss this and he was saying the same thing. Like I got a, I got a square piece of pizza, you know, it's not like I'm going to get spoiled. From well, that. and that's, and that's just even it is, is like the school lunch programs that we grew up on are even different than the school lunch programs that exist now, which yes. is what's, which is, you know, where people are sitting there thinking about, you know, they kind of went all out with our school lunch programs a little bit mm-hmm. more than, than they do now. And looking at what they do, look at what they get now. It's like, yeah, no, this is not great. And on top of that, you know, as I've talked about with my kids here the last couple of days, it's like there's plenty of evidence out there that show that, you know, kids who have access to, you know, their meals, number one, uh, mm-hmm. they are usually more attentive in class. And they do better in school. They have fewer behavioral issues. Yeah. Because, well, guess what? When you aren't fucking starving, yep. turns out the brain can do great things. And Agreed. as somebody who grew up in that, you know, can confirm. Mm. So, so in my mind, you know, one of the things that we've come to, we've required that kids go to school, right? And yeah. to me, as I part know. of that, you know, like in some states, like straight up, if your kids don't go to school, they will send cops to your house to make your kids either go to school or they will like go through, I mm-hmm. forget what the, what the process is called, where essentially it's like a delinquency process for like truancy, truancy. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Oh, cool. I finally got a word in uh, yep. um, to help you. Yep. It's just what I'm saying is between homeschooling and charter schools and, um, Public which is school which is interesting. a variety of options you which know is interesting I mean? like, which is interesting because it, you know as long as you enroll your kid in some type of school like truancy doesn't apply but if your kid is a public school kid mm-hmm. you know like you literally can be forced to send your kid to school like and that's right. one of the things that i'm concerned about at least right now is is that you know if my kids didn't want to go to school because you know there's a fucking pandemic raging and there's no hospital beds and they don't want to have that level of fear put on their lives that like, somebody could literally show up and be like, Hey, your kids got to show up for class. And I'm like in the middle of a pandemic. Fuck you. 
Right. The, the fact that your children have to have more common sense than our public officials is weird to me. Well, and, and so, but to go back to the whole school lunch thing, it's like, I'm of the mindset of if you're going to require kids be in attendance at classes, then it is incumbent upon you to make sure that they are going to be able to focus and, and do their schoolwork. And that includes providing breakfast and lunch. That's Period, just a story. fact. Is, if, it, there's a, if, if there's a kid trying to get a lunch, let, just give it to him. Right. Just, I never had to pay for a lunch at my school. It was built in, I guess, because we just walked through the line and got the average lunch burrito one day, pizza the next day, fish sticks the next day. It was crap, but it was there consistently and I didn't have to pay or beg or ask for it. And that's, and that's just, it is, is that I, I fully, I fully believe that, you know, students that are going to be in school need to make, you need to make sure that they're at least getting their meals. I, a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, and depending on the school districts, you know, at le- uh, in here in Washington, they'd actually send uh, food home on the weekends. Yeah. And in some cases, if I remember correctly, like if there were leftovers, they would box them up and send them home with some of the kids for dinner. That's perfect. You know, so number one, you're reducing food waste. Number two, you know, mm-hmm. you're making sure kids have something to eat. Right. Like, you know, and it was weird because like at one point in time, like, you know, when, when I had first moved up, you know, we got asked if we were, if we wanted to get like the, the weekend meals sent to us. And we were oh. like, we were like, we didn't realize it was like, no, we don't need that. We've got that covered. So make sure that gets to somebody who does need it. Oh, I like that. That's the other thing. People have to be less selfish, you know, just grabbing at whatever they can. Like it's a food line, you know, you know, and, and so And especially like, you know, especially like right now where most likely a lot of our food supply chains are going to be completely fucked because of international trade wars and this, that, and the other. Right. You know, great. If, if uh, China doesn't want to import our apples, I can think of a school lunch program that would love to have fresh apples for their students or for for their breakfasts. What are we going to do with all the chicken feet though? Well, you know. China is the main importer of all of our chicken feet. Nobody ever thinks about the amount of chicken feet that our our pets are going to have to eat because China is not taking them anymore. I mean, I'm sure Billy Bones wouldn't mind, but Billy Bones will literally eat anything. Right. So, anything. Yeah. She'll, but, she'll and, eat. And then there's the other problem. We're, we're offering children food, but at what point do restrictions come into play? Like a uh, special special needs the celiac the these people that can't have too much sugar. i mean we can't give our kids too much sugar but we can't give them not enough sugar we have to give them something we have to have a balance what the hell does that something we address at our pta meetings well i mean like anything else you know when it comes to you know there, there's only so much that a person can reasonably expect you know mm-hmm. schools are not gluten you know entirely gluten-free environments that's just the reality Okay. Um, unfortunately, like that is, that's something that, you know, how, what, what does equity look like in addressing that? That's a great question. Uh-huh. Um, you know, do you bring in sealed things that are, you know, have definitely been processed in gluten-free environments? I think that's absolutely something that's, if you can, yeah. Well, I, I don't even think it's an, if you can, I think that it's, you know, you can do it. The question is, is, you know, what does that look like in terms of readily available? What does that look like in Ooh. terms of school district to school district being willing? Exactly. To Willingness, I think, is more of the issue. And and bottom line, again, I'm going to go back to 
if you're going to require kids to be in school, then you need to have meals available to them, period. It doesn't matter if they're gluten-free, if they have nut allergies, melon mm-hmm. allergies. I don't give a shit. It's like right. what it kosher. means is kosher, uh, halal. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like okay. you need to have, you need to have food readily available for growing minds to be able to do the things that you're requiring of them period. End of for story. sure. I think we, I think school by school, community by community has to depend less on the federal basic standard and meet the needs of the kids in the school. And if you need a little more budget for that, it should be, it should be there. You know, if you have to budget in special foods, then that's what you have to do in your community. I don't think the federal government should be, I don't think we should be dependent on a government standard for the basic, because I just don't think every community, we talk about that with everything, a a federal, a federal policy shouldn't address each community. It can't possibly, it's a generic average. And I think community, I want to be community wise, community wise. I want to address that in our communities instead of looking to big daddy government to solve all of these problems. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe the federal government had would have handled COVID and Afghanistan better if we were helping ourselves a little more in our communities, in our neighborhoods, on our blocks with our neighbors. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, I love how neutral you are. You will not bash the government when I give you a straight chance. I oh, I'm going like to bash that. them. I just don't. I just don't necessarily think that it's quite, <laughs> quite as quite the way that you look. I mean, let's be realistic. We, you know, this is President Number Four that's dealing with Afghanistan. You uh-huh. know, and and the fact of the matter was is that you know the quote unquote objective before was to kill Bin Laden and and you know cut uh-huh. off you know. Al Qaeda's head, and then for the next ten years, we were kind of like playing kick the can in Afghanistan, right? Nation and it's like, building. what the? F- that was never part of the objective. So fighting for equality in Afghanistan, but you know, calling Black Lives protesters assholes for protesting. Yeah, and, and so what it boiled down to was is that it it became a great way for the government to pay a bunch of contractors to make new defense weapons for us, so that way we could right. have a, have a fucking sloppy exit. Right. It was 20 years of Halliburton, Halliburton getting money to feed our troops. Yeah, it's it's a fucking disaster is what it is. And yeah, yeah, it just is. It's absolutely fucking insane. I, I just, yeah. you know, the, the idea that the, the federal government was going to do this any better is just laughable because, mm. you know, I, I was talking about this with another friend. When you look at what what does what does war look like when you think about what our quote unquote most successful uh, wars have been versus what our least successful wars have been, you know, a couple of the best examples, like number one, um, you know, when you look at world war two is very much deal with, you know, a Japanese empire that was a threat and deal with mm-hmm. um, a German, uh, a Nazi empire that was a threat. Yep. They had very clear goals, capitulation, period, end of story. And, and those two empires capitulated. And after that, you know, yes, we had a presence in there, but we also invested really heavily in their economies to be able for them to be able to, you know, rebuild yes. themselves. But, you know, in those regards, though, when you think about it, our, our investment in those economies weren't because we needed a stable Germany in order to, you know, make sure that we didn't see the rise of national socialism again. It was right. we needed we needed a, a capitalist Germany to fight a communist threat. 
That's right. And that's how the wall got built is because we supported and fundraised for Germany and we, we created prosperity and assistance. And then we dumped, communism we dumped saw money that, in there like right. no, nobody's business. And we did the but same Russia saw family. that as a threat. They saw that as an expansion of democracy. And that was an, a direct threat from an ally. And that's that's how the conf- the cold war started and then and then we did the same thing with japan we dumped a <laughs> lot of money in there to modernize and industrialize their economy yeah as a way of as a way of showing russia that look we can prop up capitalism like nobody's business right. you know your soviet union evil empire is absolutely nothing compared to what we can do but then when you look at say our failed wars that we have done you know, we went into Vietnam with the goal of stop communism. Yep. Okay. Well, how do you do that? Uh, it turns out bomb the, the hell the out of them. At the, it turns out bomb the hell out of them. Wasn't the answer. No. And, and we didn't do any sort of nation building like we did with Germany and Japan. Right. We didn't do the levels of investment in Vietnam. Like, Mm-mm. like we did in, in, uh, post World War Germany and Japan, it wasn't even close. Right, you know, it was essentially carpet bombing them. Yeah, it was carpet bombing. It was Agent Orange. It was napalm, and yeah. and no changing minds. Yeah, know. and and throwing a bunch of arms at a group of people who were not seeing any relative improvements to their quality of life. For sure. And then, then we had one. I would argue successful war, but once again clear goal get saddam hussein out of kuwait that's what i was thinking yeah 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 it was very clear it's like this is what we're going to do this is how we're going to do it we had a coalition of multiple Mm -hmm. arab countries it's like this was this was very well defined this was going to have a definite end and once we hit that end it was like no we're stopping so once we once we pushed once we pushed uh the iraqi forces back into iraq that was it game over we're done I will say, though, it's interesting and nobody talks about it. Um, Saddam Hussein was an oil producer without a port. And mm. when Iran started blocking vessels that were carrying you know, Iraqi oil, Saddam decided he needed access to the coast. And that's why he was traveling through Kuwait along the Iranian line was to just get a port so he could distribute his oil. And the United States sided with the oil rich Saudis and Iranians, you know, well, to help keep him from his port. Well, now, I under- there was also I understand. there was yeah. also the fact that Saddam thought that Kuwait was drilling under Iraq uh Iraqi soil, right? And stealing and oil he was, that way, he, and he was ethnically cleansing his country at the same time. <laughs> oh yeah, no, like, that's a whole fucking mess. I mean, he was he wasn't a great dude. I'm saying his objective was obvious, though, given the circumstances that were thrust upon him. Right. So you end up. So you end up with that. We we actually have a very clear set of goals that are going to happen, mm-hmm. and then you know we're done, and that's it. But then we go into Iraq and Afghanistan 20 years later without clear goals. 
Right. Well, goals, but goals of propping up a system to divert investment from America to the military in the region. Like they just wanted a budget. They wanted a military budget, an expanding military budget, and occupation provides the means for that. The goal was stop terrorism. Okay. Well, how do you do that? Well, it turns out, you know, carpet bombings and precision guided munitions and, you know, accidentally quote-unquote bombing schools and hospitals multiple times wasn't the way to do it right nope and when you finally did cut off the quote-unquote head of the head of the snake then we decided that we needed to stick around for another 10 years right and make sure the snake died yeah so there's that and you know, yes, there's the concern that ISIS is going to, you know, gain itself a stronghold. And, mm-hmm. you know, as we saw with, with the, the suicide bombing at the airport, you know, it's Man. a very real, it's going to be a very real issue for Afghanistan in the near future. Yeah. Taliban turns out they hate ISIS. So, mm-hmm. yep. But there's a Venn diagram of soldiers that worked with both or family members that have worked for one or the other. It's a complicated look, look, the middle East is, is a fucking sand desert that we should have never gotten into. Britain never should have gotten in there. It's, it's not our region and it's not our place to say where the lines are drawn. I don't care. I don't care. ISIS wants to attack us because we're there. If we're not there, we have reason to attack them if they try and attack us. Like there was a bombing just today because it was a drone strike that killed um, ISIS K, Isaac, Isaac um, bombers, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, suicide bombers. And the explosion they're saying showed that there was explosives in the vehicle. Yeah, it was it was a vehicle born explodes. Uh, it was going to be a vehicle born suicide attack. Right, uh, right. It was huge. So. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, hey, whatever. You killed 13 of our servicemen, a Navy, Navy a soldier and Navy Marines. Corman. Right, Navy corpsman, a soldier, and like Marines. You need to pay for that. As soon as I saw that explosion, I was like, oh, man, why didn't we just bury a nuke in that city and get out? <laughs> you know? Turns out, well, it turns out that, that nukes are highly frowned upon by most societies, and I would agree with yeah. it. I know, but the CIA does worse stuff in, in South America. Just yeah, plant a big nuke there and say, oh my God, their nuclear program went awry. We didn't even know. We didn't tell anybody. Oops. <laughs> yeah, but I, I hate to say it, but they're going to figure out real quick what a W88 nuclear warhead looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I mean, nuking, bad idea period end of story but we do have the moab so we can at least make it look (laughs) huge bigger and bigger bombs that don't have a nuclear payload is amazing (laughs) literally like dropping a fucking greyhound bus right exactly and somebody was just like well i don't know here's my bright idea let's make it a little bigger (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile it's a it's a fucking greyhound bus and they like they like put uh precision munitions steering on it i'm like right. precision munitions steering on a fucking greyhound bus this sounds <laughs> <laughs> it's like speed except for you know terminal velocity to hit the ground right well jeffrey i got a great idea let's make a bomb as big as a blue whale 
<laughs> I, I mean, wonder, if, not I wonder advanced, if a Hercules not could lift thinking. that. I wonder if a Hercules <laughs> could lift that. <laughs> well, we'll just build a bigger plane to contain it. Oh, I mean, God. that's not advanced thinking, is it? It's just it's progressive thinking. Like, oh. let's build a bomb. Let's build a hydrogen bomb. <laughs> let's build a bigger hydrogen bomb. Like, <laughs> at some point, you just have to realize bigger isn't always better. You know, maybe no. inventing a new solution. You know, a bigger motor isn't as good as maybe a smaller electrical motor. Or, hey, or fusion. <laughs> I you mean, know? you know, when you think about it, it's like uh, even at the height of the Korean War, like uh, we had a commander get relieved because they were dead set on wanting to nuke the north koreans it was like yeah uh yeah. yikes we covered that and during the nuclear age there was a group of people that were making nuclear rifles <laughs> like bullets nuclear bullets and nuclear hand grenades with smaller capacities but they soon realized that not only would it kill everybody on the other side but it would kill the guy that threw it too you know right you know like they had that fucking davy crockett launcher and it's just like <laughs> like that's a terrible decision <laughs> Like, who the fuck thought this was great? Oh, but it's tactical. Yeah, so you're tactically going to remove your own troops. That sounds like a fucking brilliant plan. <laughs> hey, y'all, I got this great idea. Wait, isn't that going to kill us? Look, you're deploying Maybe. on... <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be some casualties. Yeah. That was the Cold War. We assumed casualties. Casualties were built in. They were uh, they were a benefit, not a, you know, expe- not a negative they were a positive not a negative mm-hmm. that's so funny war is wow. so funny to me war is just so funny to me like i don't know i don't know why we're in the middle east i don't know why anybody ever was and you know i've been spending a lot of time trying to figure out if palestine was the asshole or if israel was the asshole and it turns out britain was remove, the asshole right well not only that but uh, like I don't know how to explain it. Like they put Israel in there and Palestine was like, Oh, okay. We're going to start fighting them. But then Jordan came in and Egypt came in and we're like, we're going to take care of it before Palestine does. And then they dramatically lost in six days, like Syria taken, Israel took it, Jordan took it, you know, Egypt, they took it. They took all the land in a war that Palestine wasn't allowed to be involved in. And so, I don't know. I don't know who the asshole is, but it isn't Palestine. And I'm pretty sure it could be Egypt. <laughs> well, the, the thing about history is, is that the, the longer you look at it, the more assholes you find. Right. But what I'm trying to figure out is like occupation is one thing. Moving people in is one thing. But like when a country fights for land and wins it, that's a different precedent. Like that's theirs now. You know, and that's what kind of sucks is that everybody was fighting Israel for Palestine's land and they lost to Israel, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like Palestine lost their land, but they didn't have a chance to fight for it. Right. And so I feel really bad for the Palestinians, but I feel really all right with Israel winning in that war. Now, what they did afterwards, ethnic cleansing of the land around them so they could expand, I think that's an atrocity we need to talk about, you know? And oh. so after the Six-Day War, the what the is what Israel did to the Palestinians is an atrocity. And that 
I don't like at all. You know what I mean? You think about the number of wars that were fought over that. I mean, you had I, yes. you had the 47-48 Arab-Israeli war. You had the Six-Day mm-hmm. War. You had the October, the Yom Kippur War. Right. I mean, yeesh. there was just a battle a few months ago. You know what I mean? I think there's one still right now. I think that's yeah. ramped back up again. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, but that my so my issue is Palestinians have never had the right to live on their own land because somebody gave that land that they were living on to Israel. And I want to say Israel has been through my estimations and research pretty focused on just winning the battles and the wars but not thinking about the people that it's hurting. Israel never in, they never really went, should we do this? They went, we have to do this for our own survival. And what I'm thinking is there's a a flaw in the thinking with Israel, and I'm not quite sure, but this is where I'm headed next. Israel is fighting for their homeland. I don't believe that where they are is their homeland. I believe their homeland is closer to Ethiopia. I think they're occupying the wrong land because I don't know where Egypt got their slaves from, but I'm pretty sure it isn't from where Israel is now. I'm pretty sure it was from Ethiopia. So that's where I'm working at. Um, I mean, there's a lot of history. <laughs> that's, that's a tough one. Like, I, I, I don't know, I know a whole lot about uh, further back history and maps. So yeah, I think I, I think you. I think that's definitely something for history experts and scholars to discuss there. Definitely. Because uh, unfortunately, I just don't know. Like, all I can say is I know what I've seen in the Bible, but I can only speculate that how accurate that is. So that's what I'm saying. At some point, it's mute. It's moot because the Bible isn't an accurate history. It's more of a fable-based history. Yep. Man. Okay. So, racist Florida man attacks um, at somebody at an airport in Miami. I have to get these Florida man, uh, you know, things in because. Florida men are about fuck crazy. <laughs> I mean, I don't have much information on it other than he was trying to box an employee without wearing a mask at the airport. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. that one. Yeah, okay, good. Oof. There's a video, but I didn't get to watch the video. I just I saw racist watched. Florida man. I haven't watched it either. So uh, it's just it's absolutely spectacular. But you know, <sighs> yeah. I guess you know what do you you know that that dude is unfortunately going to find himself a, on a federal travel ban list for the rest of his life, and even yeah. depending on you know uh, how your busings you know how your uh, state uh, metro system works, he might not even be able to use that anymore. That's good. That's good. So we just need to stop being racist. Hey, another story from a. Uh, Racist Florida man, as we often do these ways. Donald Trump earned almost $2.4 billion in his four years in office. And I, I don't have much of the Venn diagram or the pie chart of Venn diagram, the pie chart of what he got it in, but most of it was acquisitions, hotels, and branding. Oh, that know? doesn't surprise me. Right. But then it dropped in 2020. He was in 2019, 2017, 2018, he was earning $6.4 million a year and then it dropped to 48 when covid hit so that might explain some of his actions in trying to control you know a pandemic yeah turns out when you suck at when you suck at dealing with active threats to your community you don't make any money 
So right. When all you do is think about money, you don't really think about the community threats. Right. Mm. Why do people keep electing rich people into office? Because they I'm have thinking... the money to because they have the money to run, period in a story. Gotcha. Like what time, like how much time does your average person who's working a job or two have to run a campaign? Like you still have to, you still have to put food on the table at home. Mm -hmm. You still have to make sure that, you know, your family's needs are taken care of. So the idea that, you know, you can just fuck off from your job and lose your benefits and, Mm. uh, you know, run a campaign is kind of a shit show. You can't do it. I mean, that's why unless you're getting, you know, sponsors, uh, you know, or, or donations, mm-hmm. like it just isn't possible to do like the idea. Like, so for example, if I were just to decide, if I were just to decide, you know what, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to, you know, run for politics. Like that's really going to fuck with my, with my family's ability to do anything, whether it be, uh, make house payments, make, uh, make sure that my kids have the items that they need to go to school or, you know, make sure that we got food in the cupboards. Like I can't just drop what I'm doing to become a politician. That's just not how it works. However, when you have, you know, fuck you money, it's pretty easy for you just to decide that, you know what, I can just not do anything and I'm going to run a political campaign for myself to get elected because I don't need to have a job that makes ends meet. So realistically speaking that's why rich people keep getting elected they have the ability to do it you know if i were to magically become rich you know the likelihood i wouldn't say the likelihood the ability for me to become a politician would be a lot easier because i don't have to worry about how much time i have my time would be spent focused on running a campaign not okay now i've put in my eight hours i'm going to make you know, i'm able to make sure that my kids are going to have you know food in the pantry so now i'm going to try and run that's that's really just all it is okay it's the people that are front and center that can do it that is are doing yeah, it they they can do it it's and and then and basically like we've talked about before until you know somebody can figure out how to use the power of social media to mm-hmm. run a campaign in their in their off time but even still, you know, unless the office that they, t- they end up taking pays number one, more than what they're making currently provides better family benefits. Cool. It still doesn't make sense. So like, even like being involved at a community level, like for example, uh, there was a couple of positions that were open here that, you know, at some point, maybe I'll consider running for, mm-hmm. but they are, you know, they only pay so much. They're like yeah. $25,000 a year positions. And you know, there are people out there that are, you know, running for these things and they've got the money to do it. And I'm like, I don't. Yeah. Tallahassee soil and water commissioner is a volunteer. Mm. Um, you get elected, but you volunteer to run, you know? Mm-hmm. So makes it difficult to be able to run that and to do that kind of stuff. So, right. And have a life. So it seems like in two hours, the solution to everything we talked about was 25 by 25, a living wage, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a shame. That so, would change a lot of lives. Well, I mean, living wage would always change lives. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, finding mechanisms in which you can better support your community. Right. You know, I, I heard a story and I didn't get a chance to 
investigate it yet. But Joe Biden apparently wants to eliminate student loans for anybody facing a severe disability. Yep. That one I, that one I did hear. Uh, The disability community says, oh shit, people are going to hate us more. (laughs) (laughs) What living on, on your fucking Medicaid or Medicare that barely covers anything. People think that's what somebody quote, People think we get things for free, and now that we're going to get something for free, they're going to be mad that we got something for free because they think we get something for free. <laughs> when the reality is, is that you know what what they're doing is, is they're forgiving student loans on people who can no longer can't. work, period, and can't will not be able to pay it back. Right. So right. it's like so rather than sit there and penalize people for not being able to work because of well fact that they've become disabled uh yeah it's just not gonna happen like in a a pandemic that they had no control over right so yeah it's yeah yeah that is true that's what they're looking at doing and it's one of those cool i think it's gonna free money up for disabled people to become entrepreneurs and hire disabled people so i think this is the beginning of a long-term amazing arc that i want to watch that's my hope is, is that that's what it would do. But yeah. honestly, like uh, I would also make the argument if, if that is something that is successful for people who are blind, I mm-hmm. would make the argument that it'll be successful for anybody who has a student loan. Yes. Yes. I just, I don't, from the disabled people I talk to, there's two camps that I'm feeling sorry for myself, or I'm going to prove that I can do it. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think people that are seeking education, that are disabled, they're trying to overcome something that's really, really insurmountable and they're doing it. And those people can go on to do a lot. And my, I, so my pause I'm excited for, about that. My pause for concern though, is, is that, you know, the way that I read it was, is that they were, they were excusing the student loans for people who were, were at the point of disability where they couldn't work. Right, right. So exactly with severe, they added the word severe disability. So my concern is, is that, you know, if, if people are shown that they are able to work or able to do something that Uh is going to disqualify them from being able to Uh, get that. So you're, you're basically, you're basically just putting enough out there. So that way it's like, yeah, these people can't work. They're not going to be able to do anything. So Uh we're just going to forgive that because what are we going to do? Keep having them bill out for something that they'll never be able to pay back. Whereas people with right. disabilities who obviously have found a mechanism to be able to work and, and do something aren't going to qualify for it. Interesting. So That's, it's just relieving a stressor because there's already another stressor on the people. We're going to forgive the student loan debt because we already have you in another cycle of poverty. We don't want to have you in two. We're going to take one away. That's basically how I read into it. Okay. That's sad. That's pathetic. That's our government. Yeah. And, and so, you know, maybe we should stop relying on our government to do these things for us. Bingo. <laughs> I'm all in favor of protecting my borders. You know, I just, like I said, you spent a lot of money in Afghanistan. If you had spent it here instead of being there, we would have been better off, I think, you know? Well, and, and to me, like if we had spent the money on relieving the student loan debt for everybody, 
uh, you would find that there would be a lot more entrepreneurism. You'd find that yeah. there'd be a lot more small business uh, ownership. Yeah. You would find that there would be uh, a lot less debt in terms of credit cards. And mm-hmm. you, would, you would find that you would actually be spending more money in the economy instead of more money into banks that are, you know, literally, you know, not providing the level of growth that right. they could be. Whereas, you know, if I had the money that I was, you know, paying in student loans, and credit card that uh, freed up, you know, I could be eating at different places. I could be going to different places. I could be buying different mm-hmm. goods and services. You know, I could be paying somebody to come in and clean my house once a week, twice, you know, once, you know, things yeah. like that. But I can't do that. I don't you have can. that ability. But, you know, we think about reparations and how to make people whole from um, them living in a system of oppression, you could almost see that with student loans. The fact that there was a, a predatory, a predatory system put in place to make sure people were in debt for as long as they possibly could be. If you looked at it as a legal thing, you might be able to fight that. <laughs> you know, and that's the tough part. Is is that? you have to make the argument that the loans were made in bad faith. And, mm-hmm. you know, the reality there is, is that what was, what was the government expecting in terms of uh, what they were going to get back from it? Because a lot mm-hmm. of this is supposedly that they're, they're putting this money back into student loans, supposedly. Right. Right. But right. That's remained to be seen. Like grants and um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Right. And so it, it makes it a little bit more difficult to prove that that's actually what's happening. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, there, there are other mechanisms that you could have done with this easily, or for example, like expanding what civil service looks like and, and mm-hmm. how you, how you pay yes. back. Cause, cause I technically work for a nonprofit, but okay. apparently I don't work for the right nonprofit. <laughs> you work for us buddy you work with us i don't work f- i don't work for the government but i work for an agency that benefits the government i don't no. i i i work for you know i i work i technically work for uh, uh what was it like what i do is technically a community service but it's not enough of a community service okay. it's, it's fucking weird like it basically i've i you know what i do meets all of the qualifications but doesn't meet all of the qualifications because they yeah. you know because unless i unless our organization was filed as one a specific 501c3 mm-hmm. it doesn't count right even though like every single thing that i do technically qualifies under everything else i got gotcha. you it's it's That's just it's it's weird is what it boils down to because could I make more money doing what I do somewhere else absolutely but I don't want to do it somewhere else I'd rather do what I do and and benefit my community I like that we're gonna have to have a talk about starting a 503 501c3 501c3 okay nonprofit yeah. organization so there's a so love it 501c is a nonprofit organization but then there are different sub chapters exactly so there's a lot of different ones 501c3 is the most common uh basically you know uh able to do a lot of different community service apply right. for it allows you to collect donations and distribute yep. them and all that stuff yeah that's eventually eventually within five years i would like to 
be there public access to be there so right you know and and that would be fantastic to be able to figure out what that looks like yeah i still don't know people keep saying you will you want to start a charity what do you want to donate to and i'm like i don't know like, there's so many problems there's so many issues i want to i don't know but that's for the group of people to come up with once i create the 503 you know yeah so, the five, yeah so, 513 sorry so it's 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 definitely one of those things where it's like yeah there there will be a time and a uh-huh. place to figure it out, but there's also so many different nonprofit organizations out there and, yeah. and they're classified in different chapters and they do uh-huh. great things. It's just that you know for whatever reason, uh, they've decided to uh, they've decided to put them into a different realm. Like for example, credit unions are 501c corporations. It's just that they're a 501c14 if I remember wow. correctly. You know, because literally, you know, 501c, you know, like a credit union, the only people that you are beholden to are the people that work for the credit union and the people who put their money in the credit union, who don't right. have investors to answer to, nothing like that. Our goal is literally to work for the community, period, end of story. Right. So, so why is it that doing that level of community work and supplying that level of banking function to people for people who normally that's out of their reach? Mm. Why is that? Why is that? not okay in terms of community service or something like that right you know because essentially what you're doing at a credit union level is you're providing a level of uh, a level of service that number one rivals banks number two is meant to help affected communities and uh, by applying that leverage of taking what the community is willing to invest and reinvest that in the community mm-hmm Whereas banks are pretty good at taking what the community wants to invest and paying it out in bonuses and, and mm-hmm. uh, holiday parties that have strippers and Coke. Right. I, I mean, I'm, after- I'm, I'm pro strippers and Coke, just not with, uh, you know, giant CEO bonuses. You know, you can buy yeah, your I own, wanna, buy your own strippers wanna, and Coke. I don't want to invest my money and have them take the dividends for hookers and Coke for them. Right. Right. It, so, they should be community hookers and, and cocaine. Our hookers and cocaine. <laughs> yeah, our hookers and cocaine. Well, well, I mean, and, and so, <laughs> and so, what it boils down to is, is that you know, by expanding what that looks like, I think that you can mm-hmm. easily, you can easily build more value into community service and 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 serving the greater good. Like there is no reason why what I am doing shouldn't be a part of that student loan forgiveness program. Right. Quite. I could quite easily go do what I do for the government or, or a private entity. You know, it's just that what I've, what I've chosen to do, I've chosen to do at the place that I do it at simply because I want to make sure that number one, the community is being served and that they're safe in, in, you know, in doing what they're doing with us. So, yeah, yeah, that should be our message for this week. Community involvement trumps national grievance, you know, national grievance and national greed. Yeah, I think we're just focused on the air up there, but we should be looking at the grass down here. You know what I mean? And if and that's, and that's the thing if, is, is that it's so easy to build a community level involvement uh-huh. that either that either number one you know, can expand into other communities or number two, that literally, you know, you could have someone come up to you and say, Hey, I'm, I want to start this in my community. Do you got any yeah. pointers? And you can literally be like, here's all of the charters and paperwork on how we do what we do. Take it and go do it in your own community. Let's do this. Exactly. Maybe that's what it should be. 
maybe public access should te- teach people how to create their own, you know, how to create, yeah. How to create your own community movements. Absolutely. Yeah. We Meet need community that. necessities. Absolutely. And have it just be a knowledge network. Right. When you see garbage on the side of your road in your own community, you don't look for the federal government to bring a garbage truck, you know, right. you need to address that. So I like that. I like that. I don't know why this question popped into my head, but we're towards the end. So I'll ask it anyway. What's your favorite Smurf? My favorite <laughs> Smurf? <clears throat> um, well, yeah. as I'm getting older, I'm definitely becoming Papa Smurf. There you go. He's the only one I remember. Well, that and Smurfette, which as I've gotten older, Smurfette both concerns and confuses me. Okay. Because there's only one Smurfette. There is only one Smurfette and a lot of Smurfs. Oh, no. (laughs) I have nowhere to go. I'm not a Smurf fan. I used to watch them back in the day. I never really. I I mean, I saw an episode or two. It was never really my thing. Okay. I like the the Smurfs. I liked Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was my There thing. you go. Okay. Saturday morning cartoons, jumping up early to, you know, I mean, I used to get up so early so that way I wouldn't miss Saturday morning cartoons that I would accidentally get up one when the uh, station was still doing like its sign-ons and, you uh-huh. know, broadcasting the whole uh, – uh, national anthem dance, national anthem and the flyovers yeah. america the beautiful and this that and the other and then and then it would be like two hours until saturday morning cartoons and that's when you're like oh i fucked up <laughs> my my saturday morning cartoons were um, the hulk hogan show mm. i don't know just a bunch of wrestlers cartoon lou alban lou albano and uh Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and all those guys, you know, good versus evil in a cartoon sort of thing. The Man, Iron Hulk Hogan Sheikin. got around. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That was one of those things. You know what I noticed being older? I've seen the rise and fall of athletes. And that's so interesting to me. I mean, Tom Brady's whole career fits in half of my year, in my half of my lifetime. You mm-hmm. know, that's amazing to me. That's just so weird. It's wild. When I was a kid, I would see athletes and I would be like, they're amazing. That's who they are. They're a role model. Mean Joe Green. What the hell? And now it's just like, you remember Odell Beckham? Odell Beckham? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or uh, I don't even know some of the guys that used to be, you know? Yeah. Odell was Odell Beckham was going to be something spectacular and that didn't Mm -hmm. happen. Right. I mean, he's made some amazing plays, but, you know, hasn't been on any Super Bowl teams. Nope. Um, what about Jimmy Graham? Like Jimmy Graham, now he's a bear, but he was a Seahawk. And he was a saint and he was, yeah, and he was, and he was, and he was. Yep. 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 Um, no, like <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely wild. You know, some of the things that, you know, uh, for example, I remember when Cam Newton came onto the scene and I was like, oh my God, yes. You yeah. know, the Panthers are going to have an awesome quarterback. And then we finally went to a Super Bowl. Many, 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 many years later and mm. got absolutely trounced. It was a good team, though. It was, it was. a good team. Greg Olson, fucking Cam I, Newton. I, I still think that, like, I'm, like, 
you know, I also, I liked the 2003 Panthers, you know, they had Jake Deloma's quarterback and I mean, they were just uh, weird and scrappy. Julius right, Peppers right. was on that team. One of my favorite all time players, by the way. So no, that was, that was a good one. Um, Ooh. they didn't win that one either, but it was, you know, they went up against the Patriots and they lost, you know, to a field goal kick. So, right. Whereas the Panthers just got straight up beaten. <laughs> <laughs> and now Cam Newton's a Patriot. How cool is that? It's not. I don't like the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> Although it is, it was, it was like, you know, for me, it was kind of one of those things where I was like, you know, I'm going to laugh if Tom Brady goes to the Buccaneers and mm-hmm. he's just awful. But I was also going to laugh if Tom Brady goes to the Buccaneers and wins a Super Bowl. It was kind of, right. it was going to be like, you know what, if, even if he just went, was like a mediocre quarterback for the Buccaneers. Right. But the fact that he, they went in there and then, you know, his first year there, they go and they win a Super Bowl. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, fine. Right. It's amazing how a quarterback with accuracy can win you a Super Bowl when you have all of the other parts. <laughs> well, it's not even just that. Yeah. I mean, you like <laughs> having a quarterback with accuracy, but also having a line that protects said quarterback. That's what I'm saying. Even they you know? had it, but Jameis Winston held on to the ball way too long and threw it like wide. <laughs> he wasn't a great quarterback, although people thought he was because he had an arm. He just had no accuracy or no sense of timing. So all you needed was a quarterback that could deliver the ball to the right people. And didn't they get Antonio Brown too? Yep. They got Antonio like, Brown and Mike Gronk. Evans and Antonio Brown and, and Gronk. Gronk. What else would you want? Like, like they had a ton win. of weapons. They had yeah. a ton of weapons and that was, and that one of them, that one of them a Super Bowl. Right. And you notice that I live in Florida. Tom Brady moved to Tampa Bay and I'm still a bears fan. <laughs> I don't jump on bandwagons like that. And I have a, I have a, tampa bay jersey you know so it's not like i don't have them i have a jacksonville jersey too i don't know what's going on with that team i don't want to be near that i'd rather be a bears fan than any florida team fan just well at least at least uh you know jacksonville doesn't have tebow anymore right they got rid of uh minchu too like i looked and they like their their quarterback of the future last year is is not even a quarterback anymore Yep. You know, and Mitch Trubisky's on Buffalo as a backup. Like, what did I miss this last two years? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I just haven't watched football in a long time, really. Me neither. Thanks it's just to not Donald the same. Trump. It's just not the same. So that's all right. I got, I I got like better things to do. I got better things to do on my Sundays. Okay. Yeah, you do. And you're going to go do them right now. And I am. But you give Debbie a hug first because they, I, they, I miss them so much. Oh, you know, I, I could go over there and give Debbie a hug for you. I'm sure they'd appreciate it. Thank or, you. or they might oh. just stare at me and be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Well, yeah, I only hear half the conversation. For everybody to know, I am putting some um, episodes that I liked on YouTube as Red Circle Spotlights. It's a playlist, and the next one to go up is the. Um, conversational introverts that i did with with debbie so that's exciting that'll be a good one it's a it's a good episode and i always want them back to talk you know but i understand i was thinking about it what i do often is ask people to open up about things that 
it, you know, I force them to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I might bring up topics that they don't necessarily want to be on the record as having an opinion on. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I think it's, you know, I think one of the things that we have to keep in mind as we have conversations is, is that, you know, what we're trying to do is foster conversation and foster growth. You know, the mm-hmm. idea is, is, isn't that we want somebody to just, you know, here's the hill that I'm dying on. You know, let's start the conversation that actually goes somewhere that actually changes things, yeah. you know, because, because being dead set in your opinions doesn't lead to change. Being able to learn and grow and move forward with community solutions is what gets us to change. Thanks, Jeffrey. I think I'm just going to leave it right there. All right. That was amazing. We will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something, you already know. Stream time, YouTube. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher, Radio Public, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.